for you. You have to put it on yourself. And remember how to put on the armor of God. We've taught you that. We've gone over and over and over it. The way to put on the armor of God is you have to understand what each piece of the armor is and walk in the knowledge and the light and the revelation of that piece. Do you understand that? Have I made that clear to you? So it's not some, you know, mystical thing that you can't understand how to put the armor on. It's very simple. You have to understand what each piece is and then walk in the light of that piece and, and the knowledge of that piece of armor. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So our, our fight is not against other human beings, but it's against the devil and his cohorts. And remember, we've taught you, Jesus has defeated the devil and his cohorts, you know, demons and so forth. But what are we supposed to do? Maintain the... Do what? Maintain the what? Jesus crushed him, and now we're supposed to stand on the devil's head and maintain the what? Maintain the crush. We are an occupying force. Jesus fought the battle. He won the victory over the devil and demons and so forth. We don't have to do that. We don't have to defeat the devil. Jesus already did that. But we have to stand in that armor on top of the devil's head and maintain the what? The crush on top of the devil's head. So we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So that's against all the demonic power. Verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. So you have to take it up. You have to put it on. Why? That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. That's the loin belt of truth. Remember Paul likened the armor of God to the armory of a Roman soldier. And we looked at the loin belt of truth. Remember, that is the written word of God. And all these other pieces hinge on that loin belt of truth. Without that, the other pieces won't work or function. We must have the written word of God. Okay, so we've talked about that. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. We've talked about that. Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And we talked about that, that piece of armory. Above all, and remember we told you last week, above all does not mean that the shield of faith is more important than the other ones. It just, above all means, it, we could say it like this, in addition to, in, to, in addition to what we've already talked about, take the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all, did it say some or all? Did it say a few? Most? It said what? All the fiery darts are the fiery arrows. Remember we talked last week about the shield of faith, and we talked about these fiery darts. They were really arrows. And some had uh, razor blade tips on them, and some were fire, made, they had fire, you know. And others would uh, explode upon contact and burst into fire. Fiery darts. But notice, if you have the shield of faith, you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation. Now, in just a moment, we're going to talk about that one today. Take the helmet of salvation. And then next week, we'll talk about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. See, that's the spoken Word of God. We'll see that next week. The loin belt of truth is the written Word of God. The sword of the Spirit is the spoken Word of God. And then he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance, supplication for all the saints. In verse 18, he's talking about prayer and we'll talk about the lance of prayer. Uh, the lances that they use, different, different lances. We'll see there's different kinds of prayer, just like the Roman soldier had different kinds of lances. We'll get into that in a couple of weeks. All right. Now, we're supposed to put the armor on. Is that correct? Now, if we don't put the armor on, 
we're going to be attacked by the devil and the wiles of the devil. And you know the devil has a lot of arrows, doesn't he? And some of them are on fire. Some of them just have razor blade tips. But Shelly showed me a, a real good uh, uh, little YouTube thing. And I'm going to ask him to play it several times. But before you play it, I want you, before you see this little clip, this is what a Christian looks like. This is what a Christian looks like. A Christian now looks like if they don't have their armor on. And he's going to play it several times through. Let's go ahead and play that. Let's see if we can get that. And hopefully they can. Can they keep playing that? Let's go ahead. Now that's, that's, that's you and me without our armor on. And that's exactly what the devil wants to do to us. Let's keep playing that just for a few moments. That's what the devil wants to do to us. See, the devil doesn't want to just hit us with a cold or the, or the flu. The devil wants to kill us. That's a picture of a Christian right there without the armor on. And that's exactly what the devil will do to you. And sad to say, most Christians, I know it's, yeah, I know it's pretty, pretty brutal, but, huh? That's exactly, and you see, if you don't have your armor on, that's what happens to a Christian. No armor on. I'd say 98% of the Christians I've met over the years, they don't know the first thing about the armor of God. That's what the devil does to them. And then when they fall down dead, Guess what happens? Their spirit goes to heaven to be with the Lord because they're saved. Salvation's a free gift. But the devil just pummels them. You get in the picture? Is it a picture worth 10,000 words? Would you like to have your armor on or not? You better have your armor on. Okay, I think you got the picture. We need our armor on, don't we? I don't want to be like that, do you? So let's talk today about, as he said, put on the whole armor of God. So we better put it on. And, and I don't apologize for the gruesomeness of that because that's what goes on. Yes or no? Absolutely. Absolutely. And see, we ought to be doing that. Well, Jesus did that to the devil, and we ought to be standing on top of the devil's head. Is that right? But most Christians, that's what's happening to them because they don't have what on? Their, their armor, okay? It wasn't that powerful to see. I mean, so we, we've got to have that armor on, don't we? Yes or no? Absolutely. Let's talk about the helmet of salvation. Um, and perhaps we could put the picture of the Roman soldier up there. And, uh, and, and we'll, we'll look at the helmet of salvation. Uh We've talked about, as I said, we've talked about the loin belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. See, this was a Roman soldier, picture of a typical Roman soldier. And uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, at the direction of the Holy Spirit, likened the armor of God that God's given to us that we have to put on if we don't want to wind up like that guy that just got hit by all those arrows. Uh, we have to put this armor on. And Paul likened the armor of God to the armory of a Roman soldier. And we talked about the loin belt of truth, you know. And we talked about the breastplate of, of righteousness and the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and the shield of faith and all of that. But today we're going to look at the helmet. See that helmet? And that helmet, it actually, uh, it came down and protected his jaws and his chin area. And notice this up here, this was a feather. And this one was, this, this right here, and you realize that the different Roman soldiers, there was different, different, the armor would look a little different on the different soldiers, but they were all basically had the same pieces, obviously. And this up here was a feather, and it was like a plume. You know what a feather plume is? And this one isn't quite as extravagant as some of the soldiers wore. Sometimes they'd go all the way down and hang to the, to the, to the uh, ground. But this was, when you looked at a soldier, uh, one of the first things, perhaps even, even more so than this shield, the first thing that would draw your attention would be 
this uh, helmet up here. And notice this loin belt, that'd be about the last thing that would draw your attention, but that's the most important one. Remember, that's the uh, written word of God. But And all these other pieces won't work without that loin belt. We, we talked about that. But this helmet up here protected his head, protected his, his, his cheeks, his jaws, and then it had a, a, a plume, a feather plume up here for decoration. And this was, it, it, perhaps if you looked at all the Roman soldiers, as you looked at all of them, they all had basically the same armory. It just would vary from soldier to soldier and how extravagant some of it was. But this plume was very, very it would grab your attention. So this, this helmet was the most beautiful of all the pieces. Now, um, everyone's eyes would immediately be drawn to that piece of armory. It made the soldiers stand out. Paul likened this helmet on the soldier to our helmet of salvation. And, and listen to this. Salvation, the reason Paul did that, is salvation is the most beautiful thing we receive from God. You can tell, because I've watched this over the many years, you can tell when... When someone is truly a Christian and has this spiritual helmet on, they stand out in a crowd. They have a beautiful spirit about them. Have you ever seen somebody and you knew they were a Christian before you ever talked to them? Yes or no? They had a beautiful, I mean, you, you knew, you just knew. I mean, you being born again yourself, you, you knew. And even sinners, I mean, sinners can recognize it quicker than Christians a lot of times. There's something different about that person. Yes or no? There's something different about that person. There's something different about that waitress. There's something different about that waiter. There's something different about that person. Am I the only one that's ever noticed that? you live your daily life, man, there's something different about that person. Well, that is a Christian that has their spiritual helmet, the helmet of salvation on. Now, I'll tell you this, I've run into thousands of Christians that to be around them, and I'm talking people at church over 30 years. Sometimes I'm scratching my head wondering if they're really a Christian. You know what that is? That's a Christian because they, they've received Jesus. They, they'll, they'll tell you if you talk to them. Yes, pastor, I've received Jesus. I trust in him. But they act just like, like they're not saved a lot of times. Has anybody ever run into that besides me? That's the picture of a Christian who does not have their spiritual helmet on. And there's tons of them in the land, multitudes of them in the land. They believed on Jesus. They received him. They're saved all right. But there's just not something different about them. They look, like, they look and act like the sinner. What is that? That's a carnal Christian, the Bible calls it. And what do, what do we know? We know that Christian that you know they're saved, they'll tell you they're saved, they really do believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, but they're just always sour and bitter and blah, 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 and talking bad about people and acting just like the, the, the sinner. What is that? What's going on? That Christian doesn't have something on. What don't they have on? Their helmet of salvation. Because if you have that helmet of salvation on, you're going to stand out and people are going to look at you and there's going to be a sweet spirit about you. And uh, they're going to say, you know, there's something different about that person. I don't know about you, but I want to have my spiritual helmet of salvation on. I want people to look at me and say, you know, there's something different about him. There's something different about him. That's how my wife got saved. She was a sinner in high school on her way to hell. She's going to hell in a handbasket. But she ran across some other girls in, in her high school that were Christians and they had their helmets on. And she said, you're so happy. Why are you so happy all the time? 
there's something different about you. And they told her it was Jesus that makes us this way and she wanted what they have. Is that wonderful? Is that how you got saved? Now the one of them, now nobody knows who we're talking about. I don't even know who they are. But the one of them doesn't have that helmet on anymore, does she? Now as far as we know, she's saved all right. But she's taking her helmet off. There's not any, when you, there's, that doesn't, that, that something special doesn't jump out at you anymore, does it? Not at all. Isn't that sad? So you could have your helmet on one day and off the next. The woman's still saved. As far as we know, she, she just doesn't have her helmet on anymore. The Roman soldier's helmet was made of bronze and was able to withstand a battle axe. Real loud, say battle axe. <laughs> a battle axe. Now, we're not talking about Fred Mert's wife, Ethel. I won't go there. <laughs> I may remember Fred Mert on I Love Lucy. He'd refer to Ethel as his old battle axe. <laughs> But this was serious stuff here now because the Roman soldiers, their enemies, would come at them with a battle axe. It was like, how many knows what a hammer is? About like a hammer, only instead of looking like a hammer, it was an axe and it was razor sharp. And when the Roman soldiers' enemies would come at them with that battle axe, if the Roman soldier didn't have his helmet on, the enemy would, how many's ever taken a watermelon and you've taken a real sharp knife and you whapped it into the watermelon and it just splits open? Has anybody ever done that besides me? I just did that the other day. Diane bought a watermelon, laid it up on the counter and she, we got a real sharp watermelon knife and I just, it just, just split open. Well, that's what the enemy would do to the Roman soldier. If the Roman soldier didn't have his helmet on, see right up here? If he didn't have that helmet on, guess what would happen? Come in with the battle axe and whap him on the head, and what would it do? It would split his right open. And now, you see, you need, you need to understand, that's what the devil wants to do to you. He doesn't want to just put a little cold on you and have you have this, the schnitzel sneezes for a couple of days. The devil wants to kill you. Do you understand that? He wants to kill your children. Do you understand that? He, and if they didn't have that, if if they didn't have that that that, that helmet on, the, hit them with that battle axe and just chop their, it would split their head right in two. The enemy, with this razor sharp battle axe like a hammer, would go for the soldier's head, and without his helmet on, heads would roll. And it's sad to say many Christians' heads have rolled over the years. At the attack of the devil. Jesus has defeated the devil, but yet Christians refuse to put their armor on, and so the devil runs roughshod over them. Sad, isn't it? Now, I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Now, I want you to recall from our introduction, our introductory session several weeks ago. It's on the internet if you missed it. So I don't have time to dig in and go deep into it right now, but I need to at least revisit it a little bit here. The devil's main mode of attack on the Christian is at the Christian's mind. That's why this helmet is so important. The devil is coming at you not only with fiery arrows, but he's coming at you with his battle axe. And you see... If you look at 2 Corinthians 2.11, it says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And remember several weeks ago, if you dig into the Greek language, the, the language that the, Paul wrote this in, at the direction of the Holy Spirit, we're not ignorant or unlearned of his devices. From the Greek, it could read this way. We are not ignorant of the mind games the devil tries to pull on us. Has he ever played mind games with you through thoughts? <laughs> Absolutely. And I don't know about you, but he sure has with me, and I'll guarantee it to you, he's done it to you and every Christian and sinners alike. 
as sinners are defenseless, we as Christians have the armor of God. We can put the, you know, and a sinner can get the armor. They just need to get born again, then learn some things about the armor and put the helmet on. So the devil's out to play mind games. Also, I want you to recall Ephesians 6.11. We looked at this also several weeks ago. And we read it just a moment ago, but I want to point this out. Ephesians 6.11, put on the whole armor of God. We've talked about that, that you may be able to stand against the what? The wiles of the devil. That word wiles, in the Greek language, it implies someone working on a road. And I brought out to you that the devil uses a road, so to speak, and he's always typically going for one place at you. He's going for your what? For your mind. He's going for your mind. You need to understand that about the devil. He goes for your mind. So when it talks about standing against the wiles of the devil, it's really talking about standing against the mind games that the devil tries to pull on us. And he goes, he, he seeks that avenue into your mind, that road into your mind. Now also... I want you to recall 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. We looked at this in the introductory session, but I want to point it out again. It says, the weapons of our warfare, Now we just talked about them, you know, this armory. That's what he's talking about here. We read it in Ephesians 6, but Paul also talks about it here in 2 Corinthians 10. He says, the weapons of our warfare are not what? They're not carnal, that means they're not natural, they're spiritual. And remember, we taught you there's only one of the pieces of weaponry that has come from the spirit realm into the natural realm, yet it's a spiritual book. It's the what? The written word of God. It's the only piece of armory that has come from the spirit realm into the natural realm that we can hold and look at, and it's the Bible. Yet it's not a carnal book, it's a spiritual book, isn't it? But the rest of the armory is not natural or physical. It's spiritual and it's mighty in God for the pulling down of what? Of strongholds. You need to underline that word strongholds or highlight it. Because you need to realize what the stronghold is. We'll see the stronghold, it occurs in your mind. The devil seeks a road or an avenue into your mind to build a stronghold and gain a stronghold or several strongholds in your mind. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God so that that the devil can't do that. And if he's done that, you can use this helmet to pull down those existing strongholds. You, you could do it. Because it says in verse 5, it says, casting down. This word casting down in the Greek, it means with violence. It's like, have you ever seen a, a house being demolished? That's what casting down means. That we're supposed to like demolish arguments and we're supposed to demolish every high thing that exalts itself against what? The knowledge of God and bring, what are we supposed to bring? Every what? Thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. See, that's what this, this, this helmet of salvation does. And we're going to talk about it here and how, how it works and how to work this helmet. But this helmet, if you have it on, you'll be able to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So notice again, casting down something we have to do. What are we casting down? Arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. See, if any, any thought comes at you that's out of line with this word of God, it has to be what? That thought has to be what? Cast down. It has to be demolished. And you have to bring every thought into 
captivity, every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We could say it another way. You have to bring every thought into captivity into captivity to be in line with this Bible. You understand that? This bringing into captivity, as you study it out in the Greek, it's a brutal word. It's a brutal word. Just like when those arrows was hitting that guy a while ago, that's brutal, wasn't it? Bringing into captivity, it's a brutal word. It implies someone has a spear at your back, or we would say in our day, someone has a gun at your back. So we're supposed to, in that brutal way, cast down anything that's, any thought that doesn't line up with the Bible and bring every thought brutally, like this, like a, you'd have a gun at somebody's back, we must bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, to the obedience of the Bible. You know, if Christians would have their helmets on, a Christian would never wind up in the bed of adultery, in the bed of fornication, yes or no? Would never wind up speaking ill of somebody, is that right? Would never, would never be idolatrous, would never be covetous. Because all of these sins, they start where? In the mind. Somebody doesn't wind up having a, an affair on their spouse. They don't, they don't just start out in the bed, do they? That starts long before you ever get to the bed. That starts days and weeks and months ahead of time. Where does it start? It starts right there. And guess who sends it your way? The devil. So we have to bring into captivity every thought. Every Did it say some thoughts? Did it say most thoughts? Did it say a few of them? No, it said what? Every thought. Real loud say every thought. Every thought. I like what Rick Renner said in his book, Dressed to Kill. He said, he talks about the armory. He's a real good Bible teacher. He says, if you don't take your thoughts captive, your thoughts will take you captive. And that's the truth. If you don't take your thoughts captive, your thoughts will take you captive. I like what, sec, let, let's go to 2 Timothy 2.26. He's talking here, Paul again, talking to this young Timothy, this young pastor. He's talking about some people and he says that they may come to their senses. What does that have to do with? That has to do with the mind, doesn't it? Come to your senses. That they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil having been taken captive by him to do his will. I don't want to be in a position where the devil can take me captive to do whatever it is he wants me to do. I don't want to be a marionette. You know what a marionette is? It's, I think that, isn't a marionette one of those puppets? On the, I don't want the devil up there, you know, with strings on me, just running, running my life. Terry, raise your right hand. Terry, drop your right hand. You know, I don't want to play Simon Says with the devil, do you? No, I mean, he shouldn't be up there controlling me. Where did Jesus put him? Under my feet, I ought to be standing on him, maintaining the what? Crush. But yet here in verse 26, he says that people will be taken captive by the devil to do his will unless they, put it in my own words, unless they come to their what? Unless they, this is 2 Timothy 2.26. Unless people come to their what? Which has to do with a sound mind. Now, I'll say more about that in a moment, but I want to say this because it's, 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 it's really good. One reason I think the helmet is called the helmet of salvation is because the devil will first and foremost shoot thoughts or fiery darts at our minds trying to get us to question our salvation. Now, I don't think I've met one Christian yet 
that at some point in their life, particularly right after they've gotten saved, down the road a ways, just the short ways usually, the devil will come and throw, shoot fiery darts or come with that battle axe and will challenge you on your salvation. I know he did this with me. I received the Lord as a young boy, but as I went along, the devil would come and you're not really saved. You're not really saved. You're not really saved. Has that ever happened to anybody besides me? I had one fellow who attended this church many years back. And he had gone actually to Rama Bible Training School. And, and they, they require that you're born again before you ever get, go in there. But he found out about, about us, came to the church, attended here for quite some time. And one day he wanted to meet with me, so I met with him in the office, and he came in with a tape recorder. I thought, wow, he's going to tape the conversation. He said, Pastor Terry, he said, he said I've, I've prayed to sinner's prayer several times and so forth, but he said, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm concerned that I'm not saved. I keep getting these thoughts that I'm not saved. He said, I want to say the sinner's prayer in front of you, and I want to put it on tape so that I can listen to it in the future and know that I'm for sure I'm saved. Well, there's nothing wrong, I guess, with having it on the, on tape. But can you see the devil was playing with this guy's mind? I remember when I was a young boy, I used to watch a certain televangelist on television every Saturday night. And I watch it every Saturday night. And uh, without going into, the, in, into it, at the end, he'd always, you know, he, well... He, people would come into his prayer line and he'd ask them if they had, if they smoked. He said, are you a Christian? And they say, yes, I am. They, Do you smoke? It, yeah, and then he'd cast out a nicotine devil. I don't even know that there are nicotine devils. Are there nicotine devils? It was Ernest Angley. Anyway, I don't know that there's nicotine devils, but anyway, he'd cast them out. Maybe there are, I don't know. But he'd cast them out and then he'd, then he'd make the person pray the sinner's prayer again. Well, that confused me because you need to understand something that if you're a Christian and you smoke a cigarette, you don't lose your salvation. Can anybody say amen? Now, I'm against smoking. I don't think you should smoke. It's bad for your health. But I tell you what, smoking isn't going to send you to hell. It'll make you smell like you've been there. But I tell you what, I'd rather have a church full of people that smoke like a chimney than have a church full of I'd rather have a church full of Christians that smoke like a chimney, but they're there for you when you need help, than have a church full of, of Christians that are gossipers. Amen. Can anybody say amen? But I don't advocate smoking, no more than I advocate drinking. But, you know, drinking a glass of wine isn't going to send you to hell. Now, there's a day I wouldn't have said that when I was younger, but the Lord's worked on me. I don't advocate drinking. Say amen. I don't advocate social drinking, but... I've come to see that, you know, drinking a glass of wine, while I wouldn't do it, I, you know, it's not going to send you drinking, a, smoking a cigarette. I wouldn't do it. wouldn't recommend you do it. But, 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 but nonetheless, you don't lose your salvation because you drink a glass of wine or you smoke a cigarette. You, are you okay? But I didn't know that. And I didn't smoke or drink, but I thought, my gosh, if somebody can lose their salvation over smoking a cigarette. So every Saturday night, this guy, would, Ernest, would go through all of this stuff with these people. It scared the tar out of me. And so when he came to the end to pray the sinner's prayer, I'd pray the sinner's prayer every, every Saturday night. I got saved again and again and again and again, I thought, because I thought I lost my salvation during, during the week. Has anybody ever been in that boat? I guess I'm just unique. I, I know uh, there was at one church here in the area, somebody told me about years ago, they called him uh, Born Again Bill. Morning again, Bill. He would come up. It was one of the mega churches in the area back in the in the in the 80s. He'd come up every Sunday. His name was Bill. He'd come up every Sunday to get saved. How many of you know you only got need to get saved one time? Is that right? But you see, what am I talking about? I'm talking about the devil would come at me because I didn't know much about the Bible. And the devil would come at me and he would start lying to me with the battle axe and with the fiery darts. He'd come at my mind and say, well, you're not saved. You're not really saved. You're not really saved. And so finally, I got so aggravated with it, I took the Bible and I found Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart, God's raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So I went back to a certain place back where I lived, 
detached garage. There's a cement pad outside the little side door. And I stood on that, and I, had, and I stood on that scripture, and I said, Lord, I believe on you. I believe that you died for me on the cross and that you were raised from the dead, and I confess you as my Lord, and I receive you as my Savior, and that's the end of it. Like Diane kid, kiddingly said to me, she said, I got born again for the last time right there. Praise God. Now, I'm joking. How many of you know I'm joking here a little bit? I mean, I was saved years before that. But I'm trying to tell you, if you don't know much about the Bible, the devil will come and play with your mind. And then, let me tell you something else, that, that if you know you're saved, you know where, and, and he can't play with your mind on that, talking about helmet of salvation, you know what he'll do? Then he'll come and he'll try to get you to think you've committed the unpardonable sin. And he'll play with that. And did you know that mental institutions, back at, back when there were such things, I guess there, there's still some around, I don't know, but I do know this because I studied into it one time. Bunches of people, Christians in mental institutions because they thought they had committed the unpardonable sin. That's why we have to have our helmets of salvation on. We need to be assured of our salvation. Is that right? Where the devil can't penetrate our minds with that. And I'll tell you right now, if you're concerned that you committed that sin, you haven't committed it. You know how I know that? Because you're, you're here and you're concerned about it. People that commit, Christians that commit that, some would argue that they, that they can't even do it, but... But, but I, believed in, I believe in the eternal security of the believer. As long as you're a believer, you're eternally secure. But people that are concerned and scared that they've committed that, I'm talking Christians are concerned and scared they've committed that, haven't. Let me ask you a question. If Jesus was in here right now and he laid down on the floor, would you come up and stomp on him and spit on him? Yes or no? then you haven't committed that sin because the people that commit that sin, that's what they do. You understand that? You can read the book of Hebrews and see that. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the devil coming at your mind with a battle axe. And if he can't get through on you questioning your salvation or the unpardonable sin, how many of you know he'll start talking to you about sickness and disease? He'll start talking about, to you about how you're going to die young or how this, this little thing on your body is going to turn into something else. Yes or no? You know, the devil has a heyday with Christians in their minds when Christians don't have their helmets on. Now, it's interesting. The helmet of salvation, we think about the new birth, but if you study into the Greek word on salvation, it implies the idea of deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, and soundness. Deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, and soundness. Actually, the helmet of salvation, in my personal opinion, would probably more accurately be called the helmet of soundness, or we could say the helmet of sound thinking. The helmet of sound thinking. Because the helmet doesn't just have to do with your salvation, because you see, the breastplate of righteousness deals with that also. This helmet has to do with sound thinking. How many of you want to have sound thinking? You know, it's not a good thing when you don't have sound thinking. Notice in 2 Timothy 1.7, very quickly. 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us a what? Spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a what? What kind of a mind? Sound mind. So you see, God has given us a sound mind, but guess what? Just because he's given it to us doesn't mean we're walking in it. We have to put it what? Put it on. You see, this sound mind here, let me read from my notes. Having a sound mind is equivalent to putting on the helmet of salvation. If someone has the helmet of salvation, I'm talking a Christian now. If they have the helmet of salvation on, they're going to have a what? Sound mind. You need to equate those two. 
How many of you have ever been talking to a Christian? You know they're a Christian. They love the Lord with all their heart, but they're not making a whole lot of sense in what they're saying. They're a little nutty. Huh? Yes or no? Well, what do we know about them? They're saved, all right, but they don't have uh, their what on? Because if you've got that helmet on, you're going to have a what? A sound mind. When a sinner gets saved, their spirit, now listen to this, their spirit gets born again, but the mind must be renewed. This renewing process of your mind is called, also called putting on what? The helmet of salvation. And when you have that helmet of salvation, that helmet of soundness or sound thinking on, it will affect your bodies and you'll start living right. Because what happens in the mind, that what your body doesn't do anything except something first happens up here in the mind. Is that right? Now, let me just go on a little further here. So look at Romans 12.2. Look at Romans 12.2. says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. Okay, I want you to see that. The word transform means to be changed. And it, it, I studied in, into it, in the, into the Greek it means to metamorphosize. Have you ever seen Bill Bixby when he got angry? He became what? And that's called a meta, metamorphosizing process. So you see, when you get born again, your spirit is changed on the inside, but your mind isn't. You have to do something to your mind. What do you have to do to your mind? You have to renew it. You have to change it. It has to be metamorphosized, if you will. It has to be, it has to be changed. And it, it, it says this in the Greek, this word transformed in a way visible to others. So when, when you get born again, your spirit gets born again, all right, but your mind does it. You have to renew your mind to the word of God. It says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word renewing means renovation. Has anybody ever seen uh, Fixer Upper? Well, they take a, if you haven't seen it, they take this old dilapidated house and by the time that couple, what's her name, Gaines, by the time they get done with that house, it looks like something I'd want to live in. Well, you need to realize that when you get born again, Jesus changes your spirit immediately, but your mind is probably a mess. And it takes some time you know, when we watch those fixer-uppers, we, we do it in an hour. And we watch them in an hour, and we tape them, and we go through the commercials. So we're doing an hour show in about 20 minutes. How many of you know it didn't take them 20 minutes to renovate that house? It might have taken them a year, but then we're just seeing the highlights of it. You do, your mind, you don't, you, don't renovate a house, you don't renovate a house just overnight, do you? It takes some time. Well, the same thing is true. You're not going to renovate. See, when you get born again, your spirit's changed, but your mind isn't. It's going to take you some time to, to change your mind from the way it used to think to thinking in line and bringing every thought into line with the Word of God. And as you're renewing your mind, that's another way of saying that you're putting on your helmet of salvation or soundness. You okay? Real quick, First Peter... One thirteen. See, you have to renovate your word, your your uh, mind with the written word of God. You can't have the helmet on without doing that. Notice what Peter said. He said, "Gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up. See, if I was going to take off running right now, I might do this. Look up here. I might pull up my pants. See, back there in the Roman days, they'd, those, they'd have like, they didn't dress like us. They'd have those robes. So if you're going to run in a robe, you'd have to, before you took off running, you'd have to do what? You had to pull it. It's called girding up. And what is he saying here? He's saying we have to do something. We have to gird up the loins of our mind and be Sober. Real loud, say sober. This is an important word. It means to be self-controlled. It implies soundness of mind. You see, 
The devil is looking for Christians without their helmets of salvation on, without their helmets of soundness or sound thinking on. He's looking for Christians who are not thinking in line with the word of God. He's look, the devil is looking for Christians who have not renewed their minds with the word of God. He's looking for Christians whose minds are not sober. And I'll prove it to you. Go to 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9. Notice what this says. It says, what's those first two words? Be, are you all out there today? Or Be what? Be sober. See, that means to be self-controlled. It implies having soundness of mind. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So if you're not sober-minded, if you're not sound-minded, if you don't have the helmet of soundness on, the devil is going to devour you. He's walking about. What he's really looking for are Christians who do not have their helmets on because he's got that battle axe and he's coming for your mind. I like the way Wiest, the Greek scholar, renders this. Or actually, he talks about soberness. And, 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 and this goes back to 2 Timothy 2.26. You don't have to put it up on the screen there, but we read it earlier about coming to your senses. Remember when we read that, coming to your senses? And we says it this way, we need to return to soberness so that we can come out of the snare of the devil. We need to be sober-minded, dear friends. Drunkenness is condemned in Scripture. Did you know that? Did you ever see a room full of Christians, so-called flowing with the Holy Ghost, acting like a bunch of drunks? Not scriptural. Not scriptural. I might get some mail on that. Yeah, but on the day of Pentecost, they were acting like drunks. No, they weren't. Some mockers said they were acting like drunks. But Peter said these are not drunken, as you suppose. I can't believe for one second that we're supposed to imitate drunk people. Drunkenness is condemned in Scripture. I believe there's a joy in the Holy Ghost. I believe there's a dance in the Spirit. I believe the power of God can come on you and knock you to the floor, cause you to dance a jig and run around the room. But acting like drunks one service right after the next and laughing hilariously like a hyena in church services. And there is a laughter and the joy in the spirit. I've laughed in the Holy Ghost. It's, it's wonderful. But we're supposed to be what kind of minded? Drunk minded or sober minded? Now, I don't want to be so sober minded that we, we're, so, we're so stiff that there's no joy about us. We need to have the joy of the Lord about us. Amen. How many of you know what I'm talking about? When people come in here, they should, you read the Bible, you'll see in 1 Corinthians that when they come in here, if a visitor comes in or somebody's unlearned, they shouldn't think that we're crazy and out of our mind. Hello? Have you read the Bible or not? What you have there is you have, when you have those kinds of services, and they're not as prevalent anymore as they used to be, but basically what you had there is you had a whole bunch of Christians acting hilariously. What did we know about them? They didn't have something on. What didn't they have on? Helmet of soundness. I didn't intend to say any of that. That came out by the Holy Ghost. We need to be sober-minded. Is that right? You okay? You still love me? And let me tell you something else about those meetings that were going on some years ago. and In some places, they still go on. Well, you got those Christians up there having services where they're acting like a bunch of drunk people. I've noticed this. The community can be going to hell in a handbasket while the devil has the Christians in the church acting like a bunch of drunks. I 
I hope somebody on the internet hears that. Some things about that that just that never, never were right with me down on the inside. And I tell you what, I've run around a room under the power of God. I believe in the power of God, but I don't believe we ought to act like a bunch of drunks. Can you say amen? And particularly when you try to push it off on people and, they, and they're not receiving it. and then you make. Have you ever seen a preacher try to push somebody down under the power of God? Doesn't that nauseate you? It's nauseating to the Holy Spirit. Tell you what, if the Holy Ghost is in something, you lay hands on somebody, you don't even have to hardly touch them. The power of God will hit them and knock them to the ground. You don't even need a catcher. Can you say amen? I've seen that several times in my ministry. But this whole business of those of you that come out of Baptist church don't even know what I'm talking about. But you get a person up there and you start rocking them and, and you think you've got to get them to the floor for it to be the Holy Ghost. They've got to fall. How many of you know that's not right at all? There ought to be a lot of people amening me on that because I'm talking, finally, I'm talking what? Sound, sober. Say amen, somebody. Now, I'm all for having a move of the Holy Ghost. Let's just be sure it's a Holy Ghost, not a bunch of hilarity. I want to have my helmet on. How about you? Let me close with this. Go to Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Have I, have I helped you at all today? If then, Colossians 3, 1 and 2, if then you were raised with Christ. How many has been raised with Christ? If you're born again, if you received Jesus, you've been raised spiritually with him. Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your what? So it's something you're going to have to do. In the Greek, the word set means exercise. Set your mind. In the Greek, it actually implies that you have to set your mind and keep it set. Set your mind and keep it set. I don't know about you, but I put my mind on something, but, 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 but uh, two days later, it's on something else. Has anybody ever done that besides me? Or you put your mind on something, and in 20 minutes it's on, or two minutes later, it's on something else. If you're like me. But this says, in the Greek it says, set your mind and keep it set. And actually, the, another word could be used as your affection. I know, but I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm still as in love with Jesus as the first day I got saved. Actually, I love him more today than I did then. I'm still, I, I, I'm so affectionate about this word and seeking him where he's seated at the right hand of the Father. How about you? And I've set my mind and my affection on that and I keep it set on that. What, ha, what, is, what am I telling you to do? I'm telling you to put on the what? The helmet. That's how you do it. You make a, you make a decision to set your mind. I'm going to set my mind on this Bible, on this word. I don't care what anybody else does. I set my mind on this. I set my affection on him. I, I set my schedule up around God. I don't ask God to set his schedule up around me. I set my schedule up around him. I, I think in line with this word. I walk in line with this word. If something comes at my mind that's out of line with this word, by force, in a brutal way, I cast it down. I say, no! You got to get, you got, the devil, he'll get brutal with you. You got to be brutal back. Terry, Terry, you're going to die young. No! I'm not going to die young. Bless God with long life will he satisfy me and show me his salvation. Glory to God. Now, Pastor, Pastor, you're acting kind of, kind of, you're making us a little nervous. Well, the devil wants to do more than make you a little nervous. He wants to, remember the arrows up there? He wants to put an arrow through your brain. You understand that? We've got to be we got to we got to stir ourselves up against the devil. You're going to go under Pastor Terry? No, I'm not going under. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. Glory to God. Pastor, you're, you're acting pretty rough up there. Yeah, the devil's pretty rough. You, you need to stand against him. Can you say amen? amen. 
Come on now. I've set my mind on God. Philippians 4.8. King James, I'm almost done. Philippians 4.8, King James Version. Finally, brethren, I try to be done in about 45 minutes, but you get into this stuff, you need to dig for a while. Finally, brethren, finally, brethren, remember that word, finally. We talked about that, brethren. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are, 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 if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, what? Did he tell you how to put the armor on right there? Did he tell you how to put the helmet on? Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes or no? He told you right there how to put the helmet on. Let's read it again. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, what? Think on these things. That's how you put the armor on. Now some final thoughts. Listen, these, these, finally, get this. The helmet of, now you need, boy, you need to get this. The helmet of salvation, now listen carefully. The helmet of salvation cannot stop the devil from shooting fiery darts at our minds. The helmet of salvation cannot keep the devil's thoughts from passing through our minds. But the helmet of salvation can keep bad thoughts from taking up residence in our minds and establishing a stronghold. Now you need to understand that because I don't care if it's Billy Graham, great respect for him, Kenneth Hagin, great respect for him, Joyce Meyer, great respect for her, my wife, great respect for her, Bob Hill, great respect for him, great respect for all of you. You out there, you have the helmet of your salvation on, the devil can still run a thought through your mind. I'm telling you that he can. Did you get what I just said? Because I know, how many of you know, you know you have that helmet on and there's something runs through there and you know it's not you. You know it's not in line with the word. So the helmet does not keep the devil from running a bad thought through, but what the helmet does is when that thought runs through there, you can recognize it immediately. It doesn't line up with the word. And so instead of letting that thought take your mind captive, you, with that helmet of salvation, with that renewed mind, you take that thought captive and you run it out. Can you say amen? Thoughts, listen to this. And you better run it out, because if you don't run it out, it can make a stronghold in your mind. Listen to this. Thoughts unspoken and thoughts not acted on die unborn. Thoughts unspoken and thoughts not acted on die unborn. So if the devil, you got your helmet on, devil runs a thought through there, you don't speak it, you don't act on it, guess what? It dies what? Unborn. But the devil runs something through there and you start meditating on it, you start thinking about it, you start speaking it, you start acting on it, the next thing you know, you've got a stronghold up there. You don't want that. So have that, have that helmet of soundness on be sober in your mind. Be sound in your thinking. And the devil, even though you got the helmet on, the devil runs something through. Let's just get down where we all live. A beautiful woman walks by. And you look, is, it, is there any sin in saying that's a beautiful woman? Nope. But the devil... I know how he works. He'll say, look again. And that's when you say, no. And he'll say, yes. And you say, no. And then you turn and go the other way. And don't look back. And that's how you do it. Because if you don't do that, the next thing you know, 
six weeks down the road, you could be in the bed of adultery or fornication. Is that right? You okay? And I don't want my wife coming at me with a battle axe. <laughs> you cannot, Brother Hagin said this, and it's so good, you cannot stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep it from building a nest in your hair. Do you understand that? You, I can't keep the birds from flying over my head. In other words, I can't keep a thought from going through my mind, but I sure can keep it from building a stronghold there. I can still, I can keep a bird, I don't have any hair, but I can keep much hair. I can keep them from building a nest on top of my head. I'm taking a little time with this. Why? Because you've got to get this. Because if you don't, if you don't have that helmet on, you're going to be, a, the devil's going to, he's going to, I'll tell you what, he's going to play his flute and you're going to dance to his playing. I don't want to dance to the devil's flute playing, do you? Let's go where we all live. I did the woman walking by. We live in a different hour. They still walk by, but now you can, you'll have to look, you can click it with the mouse. And this goes for women as well as men. Don't click. How many knows what I'm talking about? Statistics say that, 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 that there is a large number of Christians in the United States that are addicted to pornography. Yes or no? And it started, who knows, maybe with a, with a what? Click of a mouse. You know what a little mouse is? When the temptation to do that is there and the devil's telling you to click... You got to get real ugly and say what? No. But we could go on and on and on. Why do you think that this nation has Christians addicted to... And some would argue, can you even be a Christian and addicted to that? I don't want to get into that subject. I know that Jesus... We're saved by grace through faith. There's a lot of people addicted to that stuff. It's bad, it's bad stuff. Um, I don't want to put those people down. I want to pray for them and love them. I will tell you this. You better listen to me. If you can look at the woman or look at the man, ladies, look at the fella, or if you can watch pornography and it doesn't bother you, it doesn't bother you, it doesn't, it doesn't not question whether or not you're saved. Did you get what I just said? If you could sit at a table and gossip and it doesn't, I question whether or not you're saved. If you can cuss and it don't bother you, I question whether or not you're saved. But, it, but if when you're when when somebody's a Christian's cussing or they're this that or the other and, and watch it product whatever and, it, and it's oh that lets me know you're saved. But what do we have there? We have a Christian that's watching that stuff, and you shouldn't watch it. Bad stuff. But we know one thing for sure: they do not have their helmets on. Joshua. God said the book of the law will not depart from your mouth, but you'll meditate in it what? Day and night. Stand with me if you would. I'm glad I preached a little longer today. I want you to get this. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't know you were to die if you'd go to heaven or hell, if there's any question in your mind, there'll be some men and women standing up here when we dismiss come up, ask them to pray with you. They'll introduce you to Jesus. You can get saved, miss hell, make heaven in a moment's time. So if, if that's you, in a few minutes, you just come up here and ask one of these people to pray with you. And they will. But I want to talk to you Christians with your heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to implore, beg, plead with you and with all of us. 
All of these pieces of armory are important. There's not one that's more important than the other. The only one that I would put above any of the pieces is that loin belt of truth because it's the written word of God. But dear friends, we must have this armor on. The devil is going about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And perhaps above all else, he's going after your mind. And as I've said, if he can get in there and you don't resist it and keep those evil, ugly thoughts out, he will build a, he'll build a house, he'll build a castle in your mind, a stronghold, a fortress is what I'm trying to say, in your mind. And he'll toy with you, he'll play with you, like I said, he'll play his flute and make you dance to his music. And you'll be his puppet. But this is a day and this is an hour now. Come on. Let's get those helmets on. Let's set our minds and our affections on God and on his word. And anything that comes our way, those fiery darts, those thoughts, they're out of line with the Word of God. Cast them down. Take them captive. Resist them. And decide to only think in line with the Word of God. It's a process. It takes time. But you can get your mind so renovated and so clean and pure, thinking in line with the Word of God can get to such a point where peace yeah to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is what life and peace but it's up to you God's given you that helmet he's presented it to you but it's up to you to put it on mind is the control center really of the body keep that helmet on and in the process of time you'll be running the devil instead of him running you you hear me now just let's just slip our hands up to the Lord you don't have to raise your hands if you don't want to but like I always say Jesus went up on that cross for us least we could do is raise our hands in the house of God to him the Bible says lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting Heavenly Father I thank you 